Everyone. Happy Mother's Day to all the uh, ladies and mothers figures. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's a 915. So, Mama, la amo, abrazos, besos. I promise to clean my room when I get home. So, we'll uh, be visiting soon. If you are joining us for the first time, I just want to take a moment uh, just to welcome you. Um, Regardless of how you arrived, whether it was by, uh, by someone dragging you here or by you praying intensely to be here, um, we want you to know how we feel about you and your presence here. This faith community, it's open to you. You are welcome here at Evergreen, and uh, we want you here. We want to know your story. Uh, we want to do life with you, and, and, and guess what? It even gets a little more awkward you are needed here. I want you to look at a neighbor and I want you to say this. E needs you. E needs you. And so that's what we want to talk more about today. Uh, and so to do that, let's jump right in into the VOD, the verse of the day. We're going to find it in 1 Peter chapter 4. It will be on the screen starting in verse 8. It says, <clears throat> above all. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So we are in the third week of this collection of talks that are helping us think about the way, what it means for us to reconnect in the areas of life where we are better together. And so I thought to help us bring us up to speed, I would bring my uh, box uh, with items to the stage. And so um, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, Jared got us started with the conversation, and he had, um, he had a uh, power surge and a plug, and he just talked about the ways the pandemic had us all feeling disconnected. And he challenged us with thinking about what are some fresh ways in this season that we can reconnect. And if you remember, Jared's power surge was slightly different color. I chose to bring a different color, so I wanted to own the illustration, personalize the illustration. <laughs> and, and if you were here last week, um, you sat through a wonderful message that Anne gave us where she really challenged us that we would be better together if we leaned into four things. And that's what I want to uh, recap. Number one, that if we were to lean into being present with our faith community. She also challenged us that we need to be intentional in those relationships. She brought up the reality that we're going to have to choose to forgive when that community offends us and let us down. And then she ended by saying, we want to learn new ways to serve here in our faith 
community. And the way she helped us remember that we are better together was uh, each, of, each of us, when we came in, they, they handed us a chopstick, a pair of chopsticks. And that was her great and thoughtful way of saying, hey, two are better than one. Well, I'm here to tell you that I agree with everything that Anne shared last week except for one thing. And that was her choice, her weapon of choice. Because you see, I am not a chopstick man. My weapon of choice is the good old-fashioned Western fork and spoon. Right? And so um, I know that Anne taught you this week when she raised the chopstick, you said better together. Well, when I raise my fork and spoon, we say? Yes. All right. It still works. I was worried about that. And so that brings us up to speed to today. And today what I want to talk about is the reality of gifts. I want to talk about gifts to you this morning. Now, you might be uh, uh, someone who is observant and you've already noted the fact that I have brought a gift that is wrapped in Christmas wrapping paper, right? Christmas paper. And you might be wondering why I chose to wrap a gift in Christmas wrapping in May. Well, confession time, this is actually an undelivered gift since last Christmas that has been staring at me for the last five months. And it gets worse because the recipient, the name on the tag is actually a dear friend who we absolutely love so much, and her name is Emily Plater. And so, Emily, if you're watching, I'm sorry, we're a little late. (laughs) Now, to our defense, Emily, she's a traveler. I mean, she's all over the place. And the last time I heard from her, she was in the country of Ghana. And I don't know if you guys have seen inflation, but we're not going to pay those delivery charges, right? (laughs) You might think that's unloving. I just think it's good financial stewardship. So we're going to wait, and we have a few options. Uh, You know, Emily, when she is home in the States, she calls Boston home, so we can mail it to Boston. But we were looking at our calendar, and she's going to be in Washington in September for her sister's wedding, and we'll deliver the gifts there. (laughs) That's the plan. So, right, and it's actually multiple gifts, just so you know. It's it's not just one. So, Emily, your gifts are waiting. Now, why is this reality of undelivered gifts Uh, at at least, at a minimum, awkward, at worst, unthoughtful, and inconsiderate. Why is that? Right? Because we all know that gifts, the very purpose of gifts is that they are meant to be given. They are meant to be um, provided as a source of joy, as as a display of care and thoughtfulness. That is the purpose of any gift, whether it's a Christmas gift, a birthday gift, a a shout-out to the teachers this week gift, right? Whatever gift it is, we know that the purpose of that gift is for it to be given. And anything short of that misses the point. And again, at, at, at a minimum, it's awkward. At worst, it's unloving. And so today, with that thought in mind, I want us to revisit one of the verses we read, and that's 1 Peter 4.10. And it says this, 
Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Let's stop there because I think it's helpful to understand what is going on in Peter's letter. If you've never read 1 Peter um, or know of Peter, Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers, and he's writing this letter that is meant to go in circulation um, across a cluster of churches. It's meant to be read at many churches, and all of these churches have this experience in common, and that is that they are under a very oppressive Um, oppressive, tyrannical, political establishment known as the Romans. And so they are living under severe uh, religious persecution and oppression, oppression, and to say the least, their circumstances are unfavorable. They are experiencing real suffering. And it's in this experience that Peter decides to throw in this reality to remind the churches, multiple churches, of this truth that each of them should use whatever gift they have received. And so it could be helpful for us to really dig in and consider what Peter means by gift. What does Peter mean by gift? Well, this word that he uses in the original language is actually only used by him and Paul. You don't see it anywhere else in the New Testament. And two other places where Paul uses it are 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. And if you've studied the Bible, you would immediately think the spiritual gift chapters. Right? And so we're not going to dive into that in those entire chapters today. I would encourage you to go home and read those in context. But in all three of these chapters, the word gift, the original word there is charisma. Charisma. And it comes from a more basic word called charis, which means simply grace. And so a charisma could be easily defined as this a grace gift. A grace gift, which, which we would then define as this enablement. This ability, this endowment, this blessing, this empowerment bestowed freely by God. And so these grace gifts, we know this charisma comes from God and it can't be earned um, and it can't be merited. Can't be purchased. Not even through Amazon, right? And so let's look a little further at what the Bible says about this these grace gifts, this charisma, we're going to read in Romans 12. We're going to read a few verses starting in verse 6. It says, it says this, this is now Paul. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now notice how this deep thinking theologian Paul really keeps it simple for us. He simply says that all of us have been given a variety of gifts. We've been given different gifts. We've been given unique gifts. And our role is to determine what gift that is and use it. If it's serving, 
serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouragement, encourage. Paul is simply saying, use your unique charisma. Use your unique gift. And so I, I believe this is significant because some of us are, we are walking around with charisma. We are walking around, we are living, we are existing with these spiritual gifts that are collecting more dust than the ones I've been holding for the last five months. And we are, um, we are um, being unfaithful, uh, irresponsible, because why? Because those gifts were meant to be given. They were meant to be exercised. They were meant to be offered. Anything other than doing just that, again, awkward or unloving. And so here is uh, my first uh, challenge for you today. My first uh, observation is that you have gifts that I don't, and I have gifts that you don't. And when we all decide to contribute in the areas of our unique gifts, guess what? We are? That makes us better together. And so when we say that E needs you, this isn't just some sentimental thought to get you to feel better. It's actually believing that God has uniquely gifted you to contribute in a way with a gift that he has freely bestowed upon you. And we would be better with you exercising that gift here, near, and far. There's this, uh, there's this pastor, teacher, a preacher, a thought leader, Mike Winger, who says on this topic this. He says, in the Christian church, there are too many timid servants. Humble doesn't mean pretending that I'm not good at what I am good at. Here you are, and God has given you stuff, and here I am, and God has given me stuff. We should try and be faithful with it. I want you to turn to a neighbor and say, be faithful with it. Because, again, you have gifts that I don't, and I have gifts that you don't, and that's what makes us better together. Amen? You guys with me? Let's continue reading about um, these gifts. Um, now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7, Paul again writes to the Corinthians church, Now to each one... The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, to, to one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretations of tongues. We just went through a list of gifts. And here's what unfortunately typically happens when we come across these lists, what we do is we start to read over them as if they are the qualifications for a job posting. And what happens when we view it that way is we run the risk of, of doing what I call professionalizing Christianity. In other words, we count ourselves out. None of those gifts I feel like I have, and so we disqualify so we don't apply for the job. We don't show up. 
And this experience made me think of an experience that I had um, when I was younger and I was trying out for sports teams. I don't know if they do this anymore because I know a lot's changed, but back in my day, you had a tryout period, and the very next day, we know that the coach was going to put who made the team just outside the locker. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. And so me and my buddies, we'd, we, would, we would rush to that list. We would crowd around that name. And I'll tell you, I, I thought I was Cyclops because I was staring at that list so much going down that, that list, right, trying to find my name, heart-pounding, Hands were sweaty, and I knew that that moment was going to end in one of two ways. Either I was going to find my name, give a triumphal yes, and high-five the others who also found their name, or I was going to have the experience that our less athletic friends had, and that's they were going to walk away in shame down the hall to Algebra 2. At least that's what they told me it felt like. I just, I, I never experienced that. <laughs> I figured out really quickly not to try out for things that I wouldn't make, and I think that was a, that was a greater loss over time. So, so don't, don't. Yeah. And so um, this is the experience that some of us have when we look over those lists. And so we run the risk of professionalizing Christianity. And, and I want to make it really clear that um, there are no pro-Christians. There are no pro-Christians. There is only you and I. We're it. We're the team. Congratulations. You're on it. And that's because we see these lists as lists that were never meant to be exhaustive. This list actually serves more as descriptive. Descriptive of the way God gives the ability to imperfect women and men to do his perfect will on earth. That is why it is a charisma. It is a grace gift. Because God uses the unqualified, the imperfect to uh, work out his will. And so this is why Paul could say in the following verse, and back in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, he says this. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Notice the word, anyone. If anyone, that is, that is an open invitation. That is not restrictive. God, uh, Peter is not giving certain qualifications. He says, hey, that if you choose to speak, I only have one requirement, and that's that make sure you speak the truth. Because God's words are always truth. He says, hey, if you decide to serve, here's what I want you to think about. Don't serve on your own strength alone. Learn to rely on God, because guess what? He's much stronger than us. And so, um, continuing in that verse, uh, the, the verse 10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And here's my next point. The gift you've been given already has a designated recipient. Consider the gift that you are holding, the gift that you have given. It already has a name on the tag. God doesn't give you open gifts with blank name tags. He actually already assigns who he wants us to serve. And Paul, I'm sorry, Peter simply defines these recipients as others. Serve others. 
Now, some other versions um, are also going to have one another, serve one another. But whether it's other or one another, can we agree that that is a pretty inclusive and far-reaching term? Right? Because other and one another, I mean, that can mean a lot of people. And some would lean in and say, hey, you know what? These spiritual gifts that we're talking about, they are solely reserved for the benefit of the church. And I believe that's true. But I would challenge that with how do we really know who is in the church? How do we know the private relationship with each individual and their response to Jesus? It would take a lot of work to determine who is in the church currently and who is not of the church. And I only say that because I believe that it would be better practice not to withhold your gifts from anyone. In the same way you freely receive the gift, be prepared to freely serve others with those gifts. And so an other, sure, can be someone as close as a family member. We are called to serve our family members. An other can be a coworker, someone who uh, we consider a colleague. An other can be a member of our motorcycle club. It can be a teammate on the pickle team. An other could be someone who you gather with and play D&D with. Shout out to all my D&D players. <laughs> I knew I'd get a reaction there. We got, we got a few. I've not been invited, but um, we're, we're, we're still working on it. Um, another, another can be this. Another can be someone who had a very different reaction with the Supreme Court leak that happened this week. Another could be someone who has a very different stance on how they define gender. Another can be someone who flies very different flags and displays very different flags at home or on their car windows. Another could be someone who feels very differently about what the government is responsible for, what they should and should not do for students. Another, folks, another can be a Laker fan. <laughs> That's the one I struggled to even write. That was the Holy Spirit moving in that moment. Um, <laughs> So you see, Peter says, you've been given unique gifts. They're not meant for solely you. You're not meant to be selective. They are meant to serve others. And he, and he gives us the why. He ends that verse with this. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And I want to look at a few words that Peter mentions here. And that's stewards and God's grace. The first one is stewardship. It's kind of an old word, and I say that because I've never heard a teen use this word. <laughs> never heard them say, and I've heard, I've heard teens say a whole bunch of words. I've heard, um, I've heard teens say fam, bet, sus, slap, finesse, period, period, hit, hits different, jeesh. L, snack, high-key, bougie, salty, ghosting, extra, clapback, wop, and snatched. I've heard him say all of that, sometimes even in one sentence. 
And if you were confused with how, how I interpret the silence, welcome to my world. And I still think I'm down and sick. So I've heard teens use all these words, but I've never heard them say steward. And so um, I, want us to, I want us to understand steward. Um, the way we can begin to understand it is by understanding it as a type of status. And it could be helpful for us to compare this uh, uh, steward with a more familiar term, and that's owner. Owner. So a steward is in temporary position, possession but doesn't own. Temporary possession but doesn't own. A steward actually works on behalf of the owner. A steward asks this question, what actually a good steward does, what does my master want from his or her possession? Because a good steward is always working, looking out for the interest of their master or owner. And so as I was thinking about stewards, I was thinking about this, this company. Some of you might be familiar with it. Um, but it, it always delivers on time. I don't know. It's just amazing, right? It made me think of the Amazon delivery team. And I started to think of them as modern-day stewards because if you think about these hardworking women and men, um, they carry, I don't know how many packages, right, lots of packages, and they're delivering these packages, but they are simply in temporary possession of them. They are actually never the owners. At least a good Amazon worker is never the owner <laughs> until it reaches the owner, which is you, right? Unless you sent it back to Jeff, and some of us do that, right? But consider us stewards as, as modern-day Amazon delivery workers. We're temporary stewards and so we should be asking ourselves, what are we holding? What's, what's in our possession? Well, Peter tells us that it is simply or profoundly God's grace. You and I are stewards. And we're called to be faithful stewards of God's grace. And if you don't know what grace is, grace, I understand, is simply undeserved love. Grace is, is us receiving forgiveness when we've done nothing to deserve it. Grace is the story of Jesus. Grace is the essence of the good news. The gospel that says um, it is not we do or you do. The gospel is Jesus did. And grace is sufficient because, um, I'm sorry, grace is significant because without grace, we would have no hope. We would all be toast. Grace is what we have the privilege of stewarding every single day that we get on this earth. We get to live a life in response to God's grace. Amen? And so if everything I just said is 100% accurate and true, which I believe it is, at least my mom said it was, we have some response, right? We have some action to take. So I want to give you just three things, uh, some homework here. Uh, number one is look out for the next opportunity to say yes in serving in your gifts. Look out for the next opportunity to say yes.
responsibility as managers um, of this church, right, as, as a pastoral team, to give you, the people of God, opportunities, a, a varied, uh, varied opportunities for you to serve in the areas of your gift. And therefore, our commitment is con- to continue to provide those opportunities. Will you commit to keep or start saying yes to those invitations? Some of you are thinking about it. You know, Evergreen, it's actually been accused of asking for too much from its members. We have, we have a reputation, friends. We have a reputation for always wanting to serve someone somewhere. Can you believe it? I mean, think about it. Just think about it. If you've been here for the last few months, you would have heard us making invitations of our efforts in Chacalte, Guatemala, in, in Central America, where we were, we were inviting you to sponsor a child in that village. We actually enabled our kids to raise money so that they could send funds to buy chickens to provide a sustainable protein for these families. We're getting ready in August, uh, led by the fearless Natalia, to send 10 evergreeners, up to 10 evergreeners, to that village so that we can continue to partner with them. That's great investment. Over the last few years, we have built and sent money and teams. Um, we have built homes and sent money and teams towards that effort in Mexico through our Mexico Go Trips, which, by the way, is also on the calendar in October. We have decided to um, be intentional in our city and provide um, local families with amazing kids' activities at, at, at events like Orenco Fest and the tree lighting here in downtown. And we actually even took the time to recruit you to help us put together a trunk or treat uh, for, uh, as a Halloween alternative for the last two years. And those are all past tense. And so here you are today, and you're hearing about how we want to um, celebrate students in precariously housed situations by giving them a gift bag for their amazing accomplishment through difficult circumstances. We're inviting you to be a part of that. We're inviting you to consider sending you to camp because we know that, that at camp, God can do incredible things just like he can do here on every Wednesday night. We're asking you to consider volunteering at this upcoming July eKids Day Camp. We're always asking that you give of your time and talent as a volunteer on one of our teams, whether it's eKids, youth, hospitality, ushers, the worship team, to lead a small group, to help with facilities. The list goes on, and you're probably wondering, when is it going to stop? Or you're asking, with this change of leadership, Will things change? I don't want to bust your bubble. It's not. We will continue to be a church that values generosity, that believes that it is better to give of our collective time, talent, and treasure, serving those that are here, near, and far. And we believe that this is the evergreen way because this is the Jesus way. So if you want to be a part of that, I invite you to lean in and stick around because God is not done. We also believe that our collective gifts, just like that list, is non-exhaustive. And for every need that we come across, one of you has a gift to meet that needs. 
And so Jared described it as keeping a lever open to God's abundant generosity. We want to continue to keep that lever open. And so my first challenge to you is that you would say yes to the next opportunity or that you would seek an opportunity to serve in the areas of your gift. Ed Stetzer said it this way. He says, God has not called us to be a building full of customers. He has called us to be a gathering of co-laborers. Evergreen invites you to co-labor with what God is doing through our community. And I want to give a specific challenge on Mother's Day to the men. Because prior to the pandemic, we would celebrate a high involvement of men on the kids' team. Men were serving in every classroom, and it was amazing. But since the pandemic, that has not been the case. And what has resulted it has been the majority of women that have come and cared for our children. Well, men, I challenge you. I encourage you because you are needed. Our children need male uh, mentors. They need your presence. They need to hear your voice. They need to know that you see them and that you're invested in them. And God used about 10 years ago this video that I want to share that actually, that actually uh, really had me make this commitment that I always want to be a part of young men's life as a positive mentor and support. And so I want to just share this video that inspired me. Hopefully it inspired some of us. This is a phase that boy elephants go through. It's temporary, but during this time, the boy elephants go completely maniacal and totally bonkers. What I'm trying to say, if they had boxing gloves around their necks, you better watch your back. Most young elephants go through this aggressive stage for a couple of days, but in some situations, it can last for a really long time. I learned of one situation where two orphaned elephants were stuck in their must cycle with so much pent of aggression that they completely withdraw from their family. But once scientists introduced older male elephants into their lives, the boy changed biochemically and their must cycle finally ended, resulting in a much more peaceful environment. My question to you is, if this affects the animal kingdom in such a traumatic way, what's the likelihood that the absence of male role models in a young boy's life is detrimental to them as well? I have a solution. Animated video to get me on the right track. So I just want to encourage you, man. Man, uh, the person you want to talk to is Catherine, our amazing kids ministry assistant. Um, just know that there will be background checks and there's going to be um, some steps that you're going to have to take, but it will be well worth it. And so, men, have you received that challenge? Whoa, whoa, all right. Yeah, men, have we received that challenge? All right. <laughs> well, uh, I believe that most of us think of gifts and church and the two hours we spend together, but my next, uh, uh, my, my next application would be that we would begin to think about the other 166 hours of the week. 
So many of you are amazing. You come and you serve for more than two hours. But I want you thinking about how you are using your gifts when you leave the 16-acre property that we call Evergreen. Because we know that our gifts don't magically disappear when we step away and we go into our communities and we go into our neighborhoods and we go to our jobs. Our gifts stay with us. And so we should be asking ourselves, how am I serving in my gifts throughout my week? You know, I believe that I've been given the gift of teaching, and some of you might disagree, but here's the good news. Next week, there will be a different teacher, so keep on coming. But I believe that my gift of teaching did not just show up in the church. For those of you who know my story, I taught at a private and public school for 12 years, and I believe that my gift was being used whether I was at a church or a school setting. I believe that one of our uh, amazing evergreeners, Jamie Lentz, has the spiritual gift of leadership. And that's why she is an amazing administrator and she has led diligently through hard times. Jamie is such a leader that when she walks in the lobby, I begin to follow her. I begin to ask, what should we preach on, Jamie? What song should we sing? She is an incredible leader. I believe that my good friends, the Kellermans, have the gift of hospitality. They are people gatherers, and Ilse and I have been one of many who have benefited from their wonderful gift of cooking. Pulled pork sandwiches and homemade pizza right out of the pizza. I mean, it is incredible. Even the youngest or the oldest has gotten and she started to learn how to bake. Mariah has learned how to bake, and I believe it's just God's blessing on my life. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, I want to start being friends with the Kellermans. Well, get your own friends. The Kellermans are my friends. I bring up the Kellermans and their gift of hospitality because I want us to leave here asking ourselves, who can I be a Kellerman to? And so be thinking about how you're spending those other 166 hours. And the last thing that I want to share as we get ready to wrap up is considering how Peter ends this verse on gifts. He says this, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I believe that Peter always gives us a focus. And those of you who know me, you know that I, um, I am a fan of the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect an applause. I, I've... I've I, yeah, I'm a fan of the Golden State Warriors, and I know that some of you, you've assumed uh, as to reasons why I cheer for the Warriors. Um, some may think because I'm from California, of course, it's the Golden State, right? Uh, the Lakers suck, so of course he's going to cheer for the Warriors, right? Others who are just a little more hard-hearted and judgmental are going to say, hey, you know what? You jumped on the bandwagon. As soon as they started winning, then you started cheering for the Warriors, Well, I'm here to tell you that none of those are true. My decision to root for the Golden State Warriors actually comes from biblical conviction. (laughs) From reading through scriptures. Because I believe that God has made it clear who his NBA team is. And if you don't believe me, look at what it says in Exodus 15.3. It says, the Lord is a warrior. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. I didn't write the book. This is Revelation. Check your translations. Totally joking. The reason 
the thing that got me cheering for the Warriors was this, this little thing that one of their players started to do many years ago. Uh, this guy by the name of Steph Curry. He wears number 30. You might know him. Early in his career, actually before he came into the NBA, I started to notice this gesture that he would do. And it was a simple, simple gesture. It was a fist pump, or fist bump, chest bump, point up. Chest bump, point up. And if you've seen him play, you've seen him do it. He does it after he hits a shot. He does it after he makes a good pass. He, he does it when his team scores, right? He's constantly doing this small gesture that I believe pointed to a big thing. He didn't, I didn't have to read about him. I knew when I saw it that Steph Curry was giving credit to God. And he was giving credit to God in an area where he is obviously gifted. Sometimes when I see him play, I say, wow, this is, this is a holy moment here. <laughs> so <clears throat> it made me think of this. What if we started to point up? The areas where you're serving, what if you had this attitude of always giving it back to God? Always giving him the praise. And so what I'm talking about is what if at the end of this service, I step off the stage and I have an internal fist bump or chest bump point up? What if at the end of your shift, uh, you know, you're clocking out, you point up? What if at the end of a successful financial quarter of your company, you point up? What if after a long day on campus serving students, you leave and you walk towards your car, and your heart and mind is pointing up. Regardless of what you do, whether it's serving your children, running your kids' uh, sports practice, that you decide that whatever I do, I'm going to be pointing up. What if we live this lifestyle of recognizing God as the giver of good gifts, the one who enables us to do all things for his glory? What if we were a pointing up community? Amen? I want to end with 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, for it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. God is at work in you and through you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we get to share together. Consider the call on our lives, as we consider our journey with you, would you make it clear that you have equipped us in unique ways? And Lord, give us the faith to step in to whatever area of service and blessing you want us to be this week. Give us insight as to what you're doing and the way you are preparing ways for us to just simply say yes. Give the faith to every single person in the room and watching online to know that they have a unique contribution in your kingdom. And Father, let the end result be a watching world that says, wow, the church of Jesus Christ is an incredible body, a loving body, a self-sacrificing body. I want to be a part of the family of God, that people would come to know you because the way we've chosen to serve others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.